Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. And welcome back into MNCAA for this week's episode. It is finally in the month of December. And joining us to discuss the Minnesota Golden Gophers is, as always, Drew Cove. Drew, thanks for joining us here this Wednesday evening at the time of recording. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you uh, too, Drew. And one thing about, you know, you talk about seeing the sort of the halfway point of the season. Gophers uh, 10 and 8 overall, I believe, is their overall yep. record. Um, happy to be back uh, home, I guess, away from Michigan. Uh, so for those who may have missed uh, quite uh, quite the battle out there at Yost Arena, uh, let's recap what happened against the Wolverines here this last weekend. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I might have predicted it correctly. I don't usually have too many of those, but uh, I, the, the Gophers absolutely killed the Wolverines on Friday night and Saturday night came out flat and uh, just got, got killed themselves. Um, yeah. It turned out into, um, it was just a, a, a goal scoring spree early for the Gophers on Friday. Um, and Saturday it was a little bit, uh, obviously less than that. The Gophers scored first on Saturday, but then, uh, saw we're on the ice for uh, three goals against in the first period alone. So they down three, one, uh, heading into the, into the rest of the game, uh, the last 40 minutes on Saturday. Not, not not too easy to come back from that with all the talent that Michigan has. But same goes on uh, Friday night uh, when the Gophers got out to a really early and big start. There's a lot for Michigan to overcome, even if they got a little bit of momentum. And the Gophers certainly let them, let them have some momentum and taking a lot of penalties. But uh, um, they, they, gave them, they gave them chances to come back in, but uh, the pucks were bouncing the Gophers' way. And um, they just found a way to be in the net and, uh, uh LaFontaine stood tall. The defense uh, stood tall on that first night and, uh, uh, at least earned him the split against, uh, probably their tough, obviously their toughest, uh, conference opponent so far this season. You know, it, it's funny, Drew, when we talk about trends, right. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe the first half of the season here in a bit, but one thing that we're starting to notice with this gopher team is that, you know, when they get that early lead, they're able to hold on. But concerningly, if they fall behind, they're not a team that has yet really shown that, you know, they can sort of battle back, um, especially if they get down early. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. And, and they, But they, the weird part is that they do have the guys that should be able to do that type of thing. They got the Sammy Walkers, the explosive speed guys that should be able to be game breakers. And I think Bryce Brodzinski should really be – he seems like he'd be that type of guy um, with his shot and his just ability to take some uh, a, a nothing chance and turn it into a goal. Uh, you'd think that they'd be a little bit better at doing that so far this year, but uh, it's just uh, it's a matter of getting the whole team on the same page, and this team uh, lives together. And I mean, I mean, they thrive together, and they 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 lose, they lose together. So um, it seems like kind of a mentality that all right, when the team's on, the team's on. But when the team's off, there's not a not a not a whole bunch of guys that are also on as well, and kind of bucking that trend. And Drew, for those maybe the casual fans that watch this Gopher team, and as you and I have stated before, you know this team is loaded uh, with talent, and uh, maybe it's because it, do you think it's just because it's youth, right? They're just they're still a very young team, and they're still figuring out a way how to compete night in night out on a consistent basis here at the Division One level. Yeah, it, it they they do have some younger guys, and obviously, I don't think Bob Montgomery's really used that too much as an excuse so far this season. Um, and saying, okay, yeah, we're young. We got some time. We got to develop. And because uh, he had that team a few years ago when it was a lot of these guys just kind of starting out and getting used to it. And they were the guys that needed to be counted upon. But now this is a little bit different story with this group is that there, there is some older guys that can really take the, take the brunt of it. Sammy Walker, Blake McLaughlin, uh, even Bryce Brodzinski as an upperclassman now at this point, those guys can shoulder the load while the Aaron Huglins and the Matthew Nyes kind of learn how to play a little bit better is Chaz Lucius for, for example, as well as a guy who um, has, has had opportunity, had opportunities to shine and, and uh, to really take, um, take the college game and look at it and say, okay, here's what I'm doing well at. And here's what I need to improve on. And obviously size is probably one of those things, uh, uh, especially at this, in this game and in this conference uh, and playing against the non-conference opponents of the Gophers do those bigger, heavier teams like St. Cloud, like, uh, uh, Minnesota State, Mankato, and and it, it just it shows that uh, some of those guys have some work to do. Um, they can have some some 
time to shine, but they're not necessarily the guys that are going to need to be counted upon every night so far in some of those games that they've, that they've lost. They seems like it'd be the good time for those guys to come out and start, start shining a little bit, but, um, and when no one else is ready to take the mantle, but um, they're learning how to, they're learning how these games go. And I think this, these types of scenarios and these big splits and these big lopsided games might, might do some good to help them understand how to go forward playing at this level. So let's do this. Let's recap the first half of the Gophers season. Uh, coming in, high expectations, especially with that very talented freshman group. Again, as you mentioned, good mix of that youth talent and also that leadership. Um, again, overall, 10 and 8 doesn't really tell you uh, the whole picture. But, you know, if, if I'm walking in and haven't seen the Gophers play all season, uh, what has been your assessment of the first half and uh, uh, of the season so far? Um, underperforming defense, uh, goaltending that is either – not necessarily regressed, but just had moments where it's let in more than obviously Jack LaFontaine playing at a really incredible pace last year. It's hard to expect, I think, that to happen um, exactly the same again. And uh, it, it turned into, um, I think, some, yeah, just the defense kind of getting a slow start, um, the offense being hot and cold, obviously, in certain games, and Friday night just not being able to usually, before the last two days, uh, the last two weekends, uh, being able to get there on a Friday night and really uh, throw it at one of their opponents and um and obviously they've had a difficult non-conference schedule playing against a lot of the minnesota schools and playing against uh all these teams out in regionally that that are that just also happen to be uh the best in the country as well so um it turns out that the 10 and 8 product of also not really being able to uh and not that the gophers would want to but they did they weren't padding their schedule with uh with some of the the also rans in the in the in college hockey that aren't in the Big Ten, and um, they they always make sure to pad their schedule with really, I guess, difficult opponents and ones that they look that they should be able to uh, um, emulate and uh, stick with throughout the season. And um, they've kind of met that plateau, I guess, at this point. To kind of splitting a lot of series, obviously, um, ten and eight is pretty much yeah, just a just above five hundred, but they. They've done enough to show that uh, that they have the potential to be one of those far and away better teams in the second half, um, and especially against a team like Michigan too. That also, I mean, same in that they have a better overall record in the conference. Both Michigan and Minnesota are six and four, so um, they're really going to need to to in, in these types of games, uh, in these types of series, these big time with uh, Minnesota and Michigan, Minnesota and Michigan State. Honestly, at this point, they're going to be really hard fought battles, and uh, it's going to be um, whoever can come up with a random, uh, a, a surprise sweep here and there that can, uh, that, that'll be able to distance themselves in the second half. So let's take this a step further, Drew. Um, give me like one or two, maybe even three things that you've liked from this squad and maybe three things specifically that you definitely look at this team and say, this needs to improve. Um, I think number one, I think Matthew Nyes is a category by himself. Um, He's just been incredible this year. His size, his, his skating ability, his his puck handling, um, possession-wise, has been amazing. And his ability to score also has just been uh, insane for uh, somebody who's very new, obviously, at this level, being a freshman. Um, number two, I think Bryce Brodzinski. I think it's been uh, it's been a long time coming for him to be uh, the the sniper that uh, was proclaimed uh, he was being uh, the Minnesota Mister Hockey. So. Uh, he, he finally has fallen into a role where he's really good at this level. Um, and I think the defense kind of shoring it up uh, as the second half has gone along, because when they started out, it was a, a couple of lackluster performances getting you really worried and said, okay, when they actually play St. Cloud and when they play North Dakota, when they play Michigan, what's going to really happen here. Um, and they're, they're able to show it at times that they're still a very experienced and uh, well put together group. Um, but they're going to need to, obviously, like I said before, they're going to need to pull through a little bit there. But uh, I think that progression from the start of the season to the end of the second, end of the first half now has been good for them as well. For I think that third one, but uh, kind of things to look out for. Uh, I think Jack Lafontaine settling in and being that same goaltender he was in the second, in all of last year, in the second half of the year before. Bob mentioned it all the time that, oh, yeah, since Christmas two years ago or something like that, it keeps just growing and growing and how good, how long, how consistently Jack LaFontaine has been a really, really good goaltender. Um, and he's going to need to keep proving that and uh, take this month to really 
say, okay, here's, I'm going to play my best college hockey. I mean, I, I only have two or three months left of this. Is, this is, I'm going to go out on top and do really just a mindset thing. And he's obviously one of the most easygoing, um, normal goaltenders that, <laughs> that there ever was. So um, he definitely seems like a guy who's really put together enough to deal with it and say, okay, here's the, here's the task I have in front of me. Um, not only by myself, but with defense in front of me. But um, I think another thing I'm going to want to see in the second half is uh, Sam, like I mentioned, Sammy Walker, Blake McLaughlin, I keep talking about them. Uh, They're going to, they've been uh, steady leaders of the team so far uh, throughout the last, last couple of years on this team. Um, They're going to need to put it together and really show a lot of these younger guys how to really take it over from them once they're gone and to really be the game breakers that they've been in the past and to take it and say, okay, when we're, when, when we're falling behind Michigan three, three to one in the first period, they're going to be the two guys to get the two goals to even it up and put them back in that game. Um, so it's really just a matter of the, the older guys and the leaders really taking a hold of the team and saying, all right, we're going to, we're not just going to be a, a first round and done in the NCAAs this year. They need to take it and say, okay, here's the second half. We're set in an all right position. We need to really make hay now if we want to do anything with the rest of our college careers and do what we want to do and obviously win a national championship. A couple more for you, Drew. Um, Obviously, the Gophers, uh, on their holiday break, they won't play again until January 3rd against the uh, national development team, again, an exhibition Mm -hmm. game. Uh, But there's, what, three, three and a half weeks off here now for for the squad to really sort of just kind of gather themselves, rest, get healthy. Uh, you know, there's always that fear of rust, right? There's always a fear of there's this long separation between their last game and their next game. Uh, I, I suppose, are, are you worried about this club picking up where they left off, or do you feel confident that they can jump in after the holiday season here in January and uh, be able to compete to here in the Big Ten? I think they'll be fine. Uh, so mostly uh, when, when Bob's, as long as Bob's been uh, with the Gophers, they, they've been a team that's really been ready to jump out of the gate in the second half. Uh, and they've also they've always tried to have these exhibition games, these uh, sub Mariucci Classic. I, it doesn't exist uh, it, it, too much. Too it hasn't existed in a couple of years, I guess, which is weird to think. But um, just some of those those games to kind of keep pace and get ready, get back ready uh, as exhibition, just to say, all right, we're playing, we're playing together as a team. We're going to be. This is a game fashion. This isn't just a scrimmage over at Ritter, and this is just here where we're going to go through the motions and be ready to play against uh, the games that really, really do matter for three points every every weekend so um i think they'll be fine coming right out of the gate uh you can always worry about rust a little bit especially for uh i guess a younger team that doesn't isn't used to having that big of a break excuse me but uh to to getting between all right first half of the season second half but obviously now the games are going to matter uh they all matter they all matter anyways but they're gonna uh, it's going to be tighter once uh, each each game is going to matter just a little bit more in terms of Oh, if they drop one uh, to a team they're not supposed to, all right, it's even more of a hole they got to dig themselves out of eventually. So, Drew, it's uh, way too early to do predictions. That's why we do it here on the Soda Potty and also on MNCAA. But your predictions for the second half of the Gopher season, do they have a chance to win the Big Ten? And uh, are they an NCAA tournament team, as they said right now? I mean, I definitely think they're a tournament team. I, I, coming out of the break, they've got – um, obviously the the under eighteen team in January, but um, they're going to be playing against Michigan State, Alaska, and then Michigan again, and then they're going to finish a lot on the road against uh, some teams that necessarily haven't been um, as strong as they'd like to this year. Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin finish out the season, um, and that's that's a six game streak that they're going to need to really really take advantage of, and I mean get you got to get four or five wins at least out of that, especially if you play the same type of hockey you've been playing in the first half um, to really make a difference. And it's going to be in, in eventually now that it is kind of past the first half of games, we can start talking about pairwise in a normal room, room volume rather than just kind of whispering under our breaths because it's not too early to say that stuff anymore. But um, the pairwise is going to matter. and They're going to need to show up against those good teams. And if they lose to some, if they, if they drop a game to Alaska, that could really change a lot of things. And and you, you're not going to want to drop a game to Wisconsin at this point. Um, I mean, especially two. I mean, they can maybe afford one, but it's if, if they get swept at Wisconsin last game of the season, that's last two games of the season, it wouldn't spell a good uh, entrance to them if they were able to still make the, the postseason. But 
um, yeah, it's going to be taking, taking the, the tough teams to task and uh, um, just getting out and going on a streak at some point in the second half there, whether it be at the very beginning, middle end, but I think it looks like it could happen at the end. I, I tend to agree. Um, golfers, I think uh, they definitely have the talent. And then their question with the golfers is really, can they, you know, I suppose, show up consistently uh, through a weekend series and sort of, you know, start to get that traction that you need uh, to get yourself into the NCAA tournament where consistency is so important. Uh, but a few weeks before we get to that, Drew Krovig, again, thank you very much. And up next here on MNCAA, Ryan Stieg will join us here with more on the University of St. Thomas. And now welcoming us in for an update on the University of St. Thomas, uh, Ryan Stig. Ryan, thanks for joining us. And I'm happy you're alive because you were telling me that uh, your vehicle uh, has not been so kind to you lately. Why don't you tell us what's going on with your car? So I, uh, I'm driving home yesterday. We were, there was something up in the dashboard that I noticed earlier in the day. And I was like, hmm, you know, maybe I'm just, maybe it's time I replace the battery or something like that. I was thinking maybe I could get it the next day, you know, to start like you know because batteries can last for a while but i was thinking about that and i'm driving home from work i'm about half a mile from my place and my car just grinds to a halt and i'm uh, when when i'm talking grinds to a halt like the wheel locks up i'm going through a roundabout i barely make it through it i'm cranked the wheel as hard as i can (laughs) just to get through it i'm crossing a bridge and it's a two-lane bridge so i can't like I don't want to block traffic. So I'm able to coast my way across the bridge and veer into a turn lane. And I just put it in park and then it just abruptly died and didn't restart and had to call a tow and dropped about oh. a grand, dropped a grand on getting it fixed today. So yeah, that was oh. fun. <laughs> and from what you tell me, uh, it was the alternator. I have, I've, Change the alternator in my older car at one point. And depending on where that little piece of machinery is, that can be either a very quick, simple fix or it could be an absolute nightmare where you got to take out the radiator and like the hoses you got to disconnect just to get at this, you know, little piece of, uh, you know, equipment that is, you know, stuck on with two bolts. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I had that happen before, like when I was in grad school in Indianapolis a few years back, but it wasn't to the level of this where you know because when that happened my car just didn't start you know is that you know i was in the parking lot and it didn't start but this it's like i'm actually driving my car with traffic behind me and i coast like just across the finish line (laughs) and get out of traffic and it was it was like i i was both impressed with myself and that i was able to do that i felt like I'm like an experienced driver now. I dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was, it was, it was an interesting experience. Hopefully never happen again, but it, uh, it's not a bucket list moment, but it's something that I guess a life experience that you're like, Hey, I can tell a story and people will laugh. So, Hey, it works. It's one of those campfire stories, you know, where, you know, you, you never wish you could tell the story. Oh, yeah. uh, but now you have one, right? So uh, speaking of stories, right, that are being told or maybe not so told, uh, St. Thomas continues to write their story on their first year in Division One hockey. And uh, let's just say, you know, despite the growing pains, it's been tough. Uh, they lost two in a row, uh, got swept again by Bemidji this past weekend. So let's do a quick recap. We thought last week this might be actually a chance for St. Thomas to get back in the win column, and it wasn't meant to be. So what happened, Ryan? Well, on, on Friday night, it was kind of like Bemidji was kind of in control from the start. And it just, you know, it, they do what they do. They got a few goals early and just kind of piled on. St. Thomas got a couple in the third that so made the game look closer than it really was. And then you go on to Saturday. And Saturday was frustrating, not only for them, but also for me kind of writing about them. Because I'm just like, I'm thinking maybe this is it. Because Bemidji was not playing their best. Um St. Thomas had, you know, they were playing really good. They had 
everything was flowing their way. They were only down 2-1 going into the third. Their passing was crisp. They were getting shots on net, you know, which is a struggle for St. Thomas, as we've talked about before. But they were keeping pace with Bemidji in shots. Peter was playing. Peter told me he was playing good in net. I was like, all they need is just to tie it up. And maybe this could actually, you know, get some momentum going. And then Bemidji just exploded, <laughs> got four <sighs> goals in the third period. And it turned what could have been like something really cool to write about. Or like, even if they had lost, I could have been like, hey, you know, they turned a corner, you know, this they're showing that this is. And then it just ended up being a blowout. And it was just, it was, it, it was unfortunate because for, I would say three, you know, it's three periods. So I would say, two thirds and a half of the next third they actually played a really good game and it just it just there was like this stretch of like 10 minutes where it just all went downhill and uh that's something that's been a problem for them you know the whole season is they'll either have a great first period and a great second period and then a terrible third or a bad start and then they'll play great for the second and third periods they're just struggling to get a full three period game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the one thing that's just, if they could just do that, I think they could get a couple more wins. And it's like, so I'm thinking maybe after the holiday break, maybe that's when they can kind of kick it into gear. Cause once they do that, they've shown they have the ability. It's just doing it. And unfortunately the first half of the year, they played a lot of really good teams and it's hard when you're a first-year program to have to do, go through that. And I suppose what also makes it difficult, Ryan, too, you know, these are all um, athletes. You know, they have, you know, emotions. They have frustrations mm-hmm. like you and I do. Uh, yeah. can, can you, I suppose, I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, we as uh, reporters and you as a writer, you were telling me, you know, and us here just now that you're feeling the frustrations. I can only imagine what it must be like in the benches, you know, at practices, how do you keep, you know, the motivation for this group? And, you know, to your point, you know, is it one of those where I think for this squad is, you know, this holiday break, is this almost needed as a reset button? I I think it is. Um, This is the last series before the holiday break. You know, St. Thomas doesn't play in a holiday series like some other teams do in the country. So they have basically three weeks to recharge, refocus, and just, you know, get healthy again. A lot of guys are banged up. I mean, Peter told me a couple, uh, you know, didn't play, you know, the week before, you know, against Penn State. Jacob Berger started both games, and then Jacob Berger got sick, so Peter started both games this week. Normally they're starting to – they flip-flop, and then both – it just – so they're battling some flu issues. Thankfully no COVID, so everything's good in that regard. But uh, it's just once – I feel like this holiday break would be a great thing for them. Now, will it, like, turn their fortunes around completely? Probably not. But, you know, just to maybe they know what they need to do, and now they can put that together in practice. And because that's the other interesting thing. When I talked to the guys after Saturday's game and even after Friday's game, they're like, we know what we need to do. We just need to do it. And that really comes down to they they know the message and when I told Rico that, he chuckled and said, you know, well, at least they're saying the right things. <laughs> now let's see. If they're... <laughs> so <laughs> that was a fun, uh, a fun conversation. But he just, they know what they need to do. And I think that reset thing would be really good for them. I think it'd be good for a lot of teams around the country, but especially St. Thomas. So let's talk about uh, their last weekend series here before the holiday break, Michigan Tech. Um, you know, I suppose in light of that, you know, if the team itself was looking at this, hey, I need a reset, maybe there's some motivation there. You'd want to end on a little bit of a high note. But, you know, talk about this Michigan, you know, Tech squad. You know, what what's the challenges that are going to they are going to present to the, the Tommies here this upcoming weekend? Well, I think with Michigan Tech and with Northern and Lake State, the the first big challenge, it's a long trip. You know, it's uh, I used to live in the Upper Peninsula, you know, from the Twin Cities, it's an eight hour drive and that's to Marquette. And then with Houghton, Houghton, you're up in the peninsula. So you're not on the main drag. You got to 
weave your way up to like the tip of the upper peninsula so it's it's gonna be that's gonna be the tough thing i mean rico's even mentioned me in the past that the long bus trips can be really grueling on a team um because you have to get up early and it takes you forever to get there and then you only have so much practice time so it's tough for that regard it's going to be interesting with tech because i've watched michigan tech for seven years and i've watched them overachieve and i've watched them underachieve and i've watched them finish exactly where i thought they'd finish and they're they're kind of an they're an interesting team in that regard. When I put my preview out preview out earlier this week online, I said they're this year they're consistently inconsistent because that's I feel like this year is the perfect way to describe Michigan Tech because they have so many splits this year and it's just they'll play really really good one night and they'll play really shaky the next or it'll be vice versa and it's um I think they it's going to be tough because of the trip and mission tech, very veteran team. They play a lot like Northern does. They maybe not, doesn't have the offensive firepower as Northern has kind of surprised people this year with their ability to score goals. So maybe not as much, but tech is a consistently good program. They've made the national tournament like three times, you know, in the last seven or so years. So they've, they're just a good team and uh rico said that too they're more they're more experienced and that's another thing i've brought up before is that st thomas is just a very inexperienced program and they're just so many guys i the fact that there's a couple guys on the team that haven't played on a hockey team in like two years i feel like says a lot and it just shows that they're still trying to work out the kinks and um but it's gonna be a tough weekend but um, I'm going to go bold, and I'm going to think St. Thomas steals a win in Houghton. Oh, <laughs> tell us why. Because I was just going to ask you, do they have a chance? And I'm not trying to hound on St. Thomas. I'm not, but when you lose 10 in a row, you mm-hmm. you know, it's one win all season. And, again, you know, as we described in the show, it's really not, not a fault of them. It's just the fault of uh, the transition. Um, but how do they do it? How do they steal a win in uh, in Houghton there, right? I think if they can keep the penalties down, which they managed to do Saturday um, after struggling with it on Friday, they kept that down and just av- avoid trying to play the other team's game. They did that well against Bemidji. That was a real struggle against Penn State because St. Thomas isn't built for Penn State's speed, where if they can do that and just – and here's the interesting thing that Rico, I forgot to mention this. He said the problem was, I think, on Saturday is that they focused so much on getting the victory in the third period. They were down by one. They thought it was you know, a distinct possibility, and they focused so much on that instead of just playing each shift individually and trying to score on that they were they just put so much pressure on themselves. He said to, okay, we got to score now. We got to score now, you know, and for an inexperienced team, if you focus too much on that, you know, you're, you get rattled and you lose your focus and stuff like that. So I think if they can do that and just keep focused on just doing the task at hand and not get into their heads or try to play what tech does and just, I think there's a lot of, like we talked, you know, you want to go into the holiday break on a high note and I think there's that motivation. I could tell, you know, talking to the guys, there's obviously some frustration. They know they're going through a transition. They know they're this is a tough road, but they want to get back in the win column. And I think I think it comes together and they surprise tech. And why do I think it's tech? Because tech lost their exhibition game to the under 18 national team. And you can make the case that, you know, the under 18 national team is really good, but when you lose an exhibition game, you know, it maybe shows that maybe you're not quite as good as you might have been perceived to start the year. They played pretty well against Mankato, you know, took them to overtime, could have gotten the win there, but it's just, I feel like St. Thomas is on the cusp of getting that victory. And I think they surprise tech in one of the games and wins a close one in Houghton. I, I don't usually go bold with St. Thomas, but it's the holiday break. 
maybe they get that extra that early Christmas present and can go in with a little momentum. I'm not sure if it's going to be Friday or Saturday, but I think they're going to come out with one. I think they're going to go close one. So the rare occasion yeah. see me. It was one of the rarities you'll see me go bold in a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it, it's interesting you talk about rico you know a couple of questions for you ryan you know you talk about them full, you know putting too much pressure on themselves i, I you see that almost too because when you talk about some of the games that they're close and then it almost seems like there's that one goal that goes against them that puts them maybe from a, a one goal difference to two or two to three and it just seems to suck the wind out of their sails and it just seems so you know where it's, this team just lasts confidence right and i think a win or because there's no moral victories in hockey, right? We can talk no. about building blocks. We can talk about, you know, raising the bar, but at the end of the day, you care about the wins and losses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would a win do for our, the confidence of St. Thomas if they were to steal one again uh, from Northern Michigan or excuse me, Michigan tech. I think it would just be so huge for them emotionally because, you know, the, they're saying the right things. You know, we know we just got to stay positive in the post games. You know, we're going to get through this kind of stuff. And I think just it would just be not only a boost confidence wise, but just a feeling that, you know, we're making progress, you know, because, you know, there's little things that they're making progress on. You know, you see them instead of just one good period, they'll put together two or like on Saturday, it was two one going in the third it was a winnable game, you know, against a pretty solid team. So it's just, I think if they get that, it would just almost be, you don't want to say a sense of relief, but just more like it kind of is in a little way, you know, I like just, Hey, we finally got one, you know, we hadn't got one in weeks. This is, you know, let's go out. We have the most, it's a little bit of an easier schedule in the second half, um, you know, you're not playing St. Cloud. You're not, I mean, you do play Mankato again, but you know, it's, you're not playing a good Northern team. You know, you're not playing Bemidji. You have to replay them again, but it's not until late in the year. So you can prepare for them a little better and maybe build some, some momentum going into that series. So it just, it would be really good for them. I think to go in on that note, cause they know what they need to do. And it's it's disappointing to watch them because it's like they know they're better than their record. And that's why I try to tell people that record is just so glaring, you know, like, God, this team must be terrible. And they're not terrible. They're actually pretty solid. It's just it's just not showing up on the stat sheets and, you know, on the record wise. I definitely agree. Uh, Ryan, definitely I'll have to keep watch uh, St. Thomas again this week in their final series before the holiday break. Uh, Thanks again for joining us, Ryan. Appreciate it. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point score. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome in here to the Soda Pot MNCAA. And now joining us to talk a little St. Cloud State hockey is Noah Grant. Noah Grant from the Huskies Warming House podcast. Uh, thanks for coming on and happy to see your face again, kind of. 
Yeah. Um, well, first of all, Nick, uh, I know you well enough to say that you shouldn't lie to your listeners and viewers. I know you're not. <laughs> I, I know you're not that happy to see me, but nonetheless, I was happy to you know see St. Cloud and their performance at least on Friday night against North Dakota. A little bit left to be desired on Saturday, but nonetheless, the Huskies. I think they responded enough against Western Michigan the way that we wanted. But Nick, it's a pleasure to be here, uh, and I think the winter months are finally getting colder. And I got to be honest, Nick, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of that. So uh, at least we have no. some hot to keep us company very true um it's it's definitely feeling more like uh december as it should be here even down in the the twin cities for those of you who don't know nora grant stationed in north dakota so say whatever you want about that um not a, not, a, not a fighting not a fighting hawks fan though <laughs> yeah no you, you and you actually had to catch yourself there i thought you were going to say the s word which is you know kind of you know not allowed anymore so <laughs> yeah it's it's an interesting day when the s word is worse than the f word right yeah right <laughs> very interesting indeed but you know speaking of interesting though the huskies had quite the weekend themselves um and, and kind of unexpected at least on friday uh we thought and we would hope right that this team after losing three straight going back uh, to Omaha, right, in the overtime loss and being swept on the road against Western Michigan, that they would come out and make a statement. And uh, they didn't just make a statement. They drove the hammer into the Fighting Hawks. And, uh, you know, it probably had some emotions going in that game. Uh, so recap us with this weekend. Uh, so, unfortunately, I couldn't get the sweep on Saturday. A much different game. But uh, what happened with the Huskies and the Hawks? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, we talked about it last week, kind of our predictions, what we thought. You know, I thought that St. Cloud was going to be the better team on Friday night, and then Bradbury would respond on Saturday. That happened exactly uh, in terms of that. In terms of the score, definitely was a lot more spread out on Friday than I had anticipated, but Saturday was close. Predicted 5-4 for North Dakota. It was 5-3 St. Cloud on Saturday. But let's back up to Friday. Like you mentioned, the Huskies off to a good start both nights. 8-1 to final score on this night. Uh, St. Cloud State uh, scoring just 18 seconds into the hockey, and Kyler Kupka uh, starting the Huskies off on the weekend. 12 players registering a point. Easton Brodzinski, his first hat trick of his collegiate career, and I believe his eighth multi-point game. He finished with four points points in the night and uh nick as you and i kind of talked a little bit on our show on sunday kind of a weird thing to think about that easton brezinski finally has his first collegiate hat trick you know he's not a guy that uh i uh, you know you you would expect him being the goal scorer with 108 goals to his credit in a st cloud state sweater that he was going to be a guy that uh Probably had a couple more hat tricks, but nonetheless, that's his first one. St. Cloud State also riding the hand with three power play goals. We talked about how important special teams was going to be. They were more of a factor on Saturday. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but David Rennick stopping 27 of 28 in the contest as as well. Uh, moving on to Saturday, Nick. Uh, five to three win for North Dakota. The Huskies, we thought they were going to start with a bang again and kind of carry that momentum, scoring 17 seconds in in night number two. Kevin Fitzgerald's opening marker in that one. Uh, North Dakota, though, I, I would say the biggest goal of the weekend for them was the power play goal that they answered minutes later off of Seamus Donahue slashing penalty. They were able to tally on the man advantage and the Huskies. Uh, we're going to touch on this later too, but what a mess. Uh, season high 10 penalties for them in Saturday's contest. The second period left a lot to be desired. Uh, still 2-2 two to two after period number one. Kyler Kupka scoring his second of the weekend for St. Cloud. Um, but then North Dakota, three straight tallies for them in the first half of the second period and then uh, start of the third period, including a shorthanded marker uh, to kind of start that sequence off to make it... Uh, uh, five to two, and then Nick Perbix had the other goal to make it five to three. David Rennick, 24 of 29 saves in the loss, but uh, um, yeah, recapping the weekend, Kyler Kupka scoring both nights, Jack Peart, Easton Brodzinski, four points on the weekend, Kevin Fitzgerald continues to be amazing. Uh, five points on the weekend for him, and Nick Perbix, NCHC defenseman of the week, the sixth Husky, uh, to earn an NCHC accolade this year. He led the team with six points this weekend, so a lot of good things for the Huskies. Saturday, is kind of the one that I think we're going to break down a little bit more because Friday's game, uh, rightfully so, was all Huskies, and thankfully it was a game that there's not a lot of talk about. So I think Saturday is going to be the one that we're going to probably key in on. So we talked about some of the growing trends that are necessarily positive for St. Cloud. You mentioned one of them, the penalties. And again, with Brett Larson, the way this team is built, they, you know, you got to almost roll four lines. And when you're uh, you're killing that many penalties, that puts a lot of your goal scorers um, on the bench. Uh, you're not really in rhythm. You're not utilizing uh, what this team is built for. And uh, honestly, again, to give North Dakota that many opportunities, you know, granted the Huskies penalty kit was good this weekend, mm -hmm. uh, but just, you know, playing with fire way too many times. 
Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the points I had was special teams. For the most part, the penalty kill was all right this weekend. They let in one goal. Power play was pretty good this weekend. They let in one shorthanded goal in an opportune time. But let's kind of start with the things that weren't so good this weekend. Uh, you know, you talk about special teams and how I thought it was going to be important moving into the weekend. You talked about five on five play. Well, you know what, Nick, they actually kind of go together. Imagine that a hockey game flows together and the Huskies did the one cardinal sin that burns a team like St. Cloud that plays with speed. And in period number two on Saturday night, they stopped moving their feet. And as soon as they stopped moving their feet, they got into penalty trouble. Uh, they allowed two goals in the first half of that second period. And put it to you this way, Nick, uh, St. Cloud State, 24 shot attempts for them in period number two. 19 of those in period number two came right after North Dakota scored the goal to make it 4-2 to two on Saturday. So that tells you that St. Cloud stopped moving their feet. They started taking infractions. Then they realized, oh, we should start playing hockey again. But at that point, it was too little too late against the North Dakota team who not only knows how to play a structure well under Brad Barry, even though they're not the powerhouse that we've seen in years past, they also were pretty ticked off about the result on Friday night and definitely wanted to cling on to a lead. So the momentum really shifted away from St. Cloud on Saturday, and it was a tale of two games, but it wasn't so much what St. Cloud, you know, didn't do it's just that the one thing that st cloud didn't do was what we did what they did fantastically on friday night which was move their feet they were aggressive they were hard on pucks uh you know they were winning all these 50 50 puck battles and they made it much more difficult for north dakota to even get out of their own zone let alone start a four check and in the middle of the second period it felt like north dakota the ice was way too easy for st cloud and if, if you're a huskies fan you know st cloud has the ability to play with speed we finally saw it on that Friday against North Dakota, but it wasn't, you know, it, 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 it wasn't necessarily a game that I thought that the Huskies dominated, but they outshot North Dakota, obviously on Friday. They also outshot North Dakota on Saturday, but look at the different scores and the different way that that hockey game went. North Dakota didn't have their A game. They just unfortunate luck on Friday and it came back to bite St. Cloud on Saturday because those little trends that they thought were going to carry over for Friday when they were moving their feet and doing the right things, definitely didn't translate. And Nick, I know last point you and I kind of talked about, we do have some injuries uh, up and down the lineup for St. Cloud. They might've been a little bit of a flu bug going around, but uh, Hey, when North Dakota comes to town, North Dakota's in town and you better believe you're going to have to have your a game, even if you're only feeling B plus. And that's, uh, you know, you talk about now that the Huskies are in their holiday break, won't play uh, until they uh, take on Bemidji State and at home and home. They'll be on the road first on New Year's Eve. They'll be back at the Herb Rush National Hockey Center on New Year's Day. Um, but essentially about three weeks to either A, get healthy in terms of whether there's injuries or uh, just kick this flu bug, you know, out of the yeah. team, you know, and I know that. You know, there's no moral victories in hockey. There, there's no mercy rule per se. And you're, you're right. You do have to kind of battle through those things. But it definitely hurts. I think a team that is built with speed in mind is, you know, when you're not feeling 100 percent and especially if it's a flu bug that can really, you know, you know, kind of collapse the lungs a little bit. But, you know, real briefly, you know, I think it's important, you know, for a team that was in the national championship game last April. Here we are a essentially at the halfway point of this season. You know, what are some of the positives? What are some of the negatives we've seen so far uh, this season from uh, St. Cloud? Yeah, well, like you mentioned, uh, 23 days until the Huskies play again. We're recording this, of course, on Wednesday night, December 8th. So, um, you know, one of the things to kind of point out there, like you mentioned, uh, the Huskies a little bit banged up. They've got Sam Henches, who they hope is maybe going to return by the time that Miji series rolls around. Uh, St. Cloud, you know, you kind of take a step back, right? You mentioned it's been, it was a whirlwind weird season last year. Think about this. We were only seven and a half days into the pod at this point last year. Um, you know, so it's been a different look for them. But the Huskies, 10 and 6 overall, 4 and 4 in conference play five and three on the road and at home uh, to compare that North Dakota 11 and six uh, and six and two in conference play. So North Dakota has really gotten the better of the NCHC play, but had the Huskies won on Saturday night, they actually would have been tied with North Dakota atop the NCHC right now. The Huskies uh, sitting fourth in the conference, uh, kind of tied with Denver for that third place spot as of now. But like we mentioned, St. Cloud, they're going to be off for 23 days. So it's a time to rest and regroup. Some of the things that you really got to like uh, the Huskies, uh, if you were a buzzsaw like you were on Friday, find a way to replicate that game. And not just because it was North Dakota, find a way to bring that energy as much as you can every night. Obviously, you're not going to have many games in the NCHC that you're going to win it by a margin of 8-1. to one. It's not going to happen. But it's more about the principle of the thing. It's more about what were they doing right. They suffocated North Dakota. They didn't even allow them to get out of their own zone, let alone you know having to worry about breaking down the transitional game. 
those are things that you have to do for 60 minutes two times a weekend every weekend in the nchc and the huskies i albeit i thought they had a, a fairly decent weekend overall but what did we talk about against western michigan what did we talk about north dakota go back to north dakota the nchc uh um frozen face off the championship game last year a bad five minute stretch against guess who north dakota cost the huskies in that game a 10 minute stretch in night number two in period number two on saturday is what caught the huskies there and uh, they just weren't able to recover so you have to find a way to have that consistent level every shift is not going to be you know a firecracker if you will it's not going to be grade a but you got to find a way to pass the baton and at least try to stay even you're going to get scored on sometimes yeah it's going to happen but the huskies have to find a way to find a little bit more consistency and i don't find it alarming as of yet i like the response against western michigan coming off the western michigan series but i find it a little bit intriguing because you know the veteran experience i think you're looking for a little bit more consistency just a little bit just one more gear from this group knowing that you as you had mentioned most of them had played in the big dance last year uh power play was good for the most part penalty kill was good uh good to see nolan walker back on the board there's a guy too that uh, he had been quiet as of late i know most people didn't score against western michigan but you know he had a point in all but four games this season and then he was quiet for three straight at the tail end of omaha and then western michigan there so it's good to see him back on the board and then last Lastly, I thought David Rennick uh, looked really good and back into form. I know his save percentage wasn't the greatest on Saturday, but I thought he made a lot of great A saves uh, and gave his team a chance to win on Saturday. So I don't think it was reflective. He had an 8-9-5 on the weekend. Contrast that with a 9-3-4 uh, save percentage on Friday night's contest. But I, I, I really think that it wasn't so much about volume for him. It was about saving those high-quality saves. Yeah, there was you know a softy on the weekend. I thought Gavin Haynes' goal was a little soft that he probably wanted that one back. But other than that, he stopped a couple that were you know defensive breakdowns, especially in that second period by St. Cloud. So um, I was excited to see him return to form. I, I definitely had no qualms about the way he played coming off the Western Michigan series, and I think those are good things for St. Cloud. But like we talked about, they've got to continue to move their feet because when the Huskies are not playing with speed – uh, unfortunately, they look like pylons out there. And this team is built as much as it is on grit, even more so on speed. And they've got to have that game rolling. Let's talk a little bit uh, real quick. Um, now that we're here, again, midway point of the season, um, the two big questions, right? Is this team a competitor for the NCHC? And two, is this an NCAA tournament team? Well, I, I think if you're going to start in the NCHC, I'm going to go with yes. Uh, but they've got to find a way to uh, steal, I would say, at least two games down the stretch. And I don't say steal in, in the sense that they're playing against teams that are higher up on them. Right now, they haven't had the consistency piece like we had talked about. And even when you have the consistency piece, we saw the Huskies team of last year that finished second in the NCHC had an absolute clunker. We keep going back to it at Amsoil Arena to the second to the last weekend of the regular season. You're going to have nights like that. You've got to find a way for a guy like David Rennick or somebody whoever it is or zach okabi a couple years ago against mankato at mariucci arena to just kind of pop off and be able to, to to kind of grab a game that maybe you shouldn't have had as easily or as welcoming as you do i think if the huskies can find a little bit of puck luck i think they're going to be just fine in the nchc as far as the ncaa tournament i i think they're going to be a lock there as well too um you know the only the only reason I'm really hesitant about the NCHC because it's such a strong conference this year, and I think that's reflected in the NCAA tournament standings, so to speak. I think the Huskies just got to make sure, if anything, they're earning splits, if anything, on the weekend, and I think they'll be just fine. Obviously, they're going to have to grab a couple of sweeps, but besides that, um, you know, you can't get swept like you did up at Western Michigan. It might happen. It might happen, and if it does. It can only happen once, I think, down the stretch in NCHC play. And you've got to find a way to grab a couple of sweeps of your own in that case. That's the only thing is the Huskies have not shown besides Colorado College and I would say even Omaha, even though they split on that weekend, they haven't really shown that complete weekend effort since then. They've got a lot of time off. They've got Bemidji State, but then they're going to be right back in it again. So just kind of looking for them to really start to generate momentum and string you know, groupings of three together. Uh, good comparison, University of Minnesota. There's a team that they they looked really great on Friday night against North Dakota. They looked good in the second half against North Dakota, but lost that game. Then they come out, absolutely steamroll the Michigan Wolverines, and you're thinking, all right, they, you know, they didn't win all three, but they strung three really nice games together, and then they got their doors blown off at Yost uh, on Saturday last weekend too. So every team's going to beat up on each other. Uh, the Huskies got to create their own puck luck. I know that that sounds odd, but I think that that's what's going to, kind of give them a little bit extra edge and kind of relax them a little bit to play their game the right way. 
Couldn't agree more. Uh, St. Cloud, again, uh, the fan base looking to get back to the big dance and more so uh, make it all the way to Boston for the NCAA final, a Frozen Four, I should say, and try to have uh, a national championship banner raised there at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Noah Grant, thanks so much for joining us. And now we will turn it over to Alex Mekaletti with a preview of Minnesota State. Uh, joined us for the final segment here on the MNCAA podcast here on the Soda Pod. We have to join in Alex Micheletti, or formerly known as Mad Scientist, who may have gotten a haircut recently, Alex. Yes, yep, yep, looking fresh, so I am uh, ready to rock for the podcast. So, and this is your third podcast of the day. I mean, I mean, do you have an agent? I mean, what what's going on behind the scenes here, Alex? I just, yeah, I love I love joining any any podcast I can, uh, especially about uh, hockey. You know, in all levels, uh, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of good wild talk today, and in, in college hockey in general. And so, ready to finish it up by uh, talking about my uh, uh, Minnesota State Man Mankato uh, Maverick squad coming off a huge uh, huge sweep uh, over Michigan Tech this past weekend. And, uh, well, since you took away my job, I mean, I'll just let you run the show if you want, but uh, no, I'm <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, but as we talked about this last week, uh, Alex, Michigan Tech, not a pushover team. You said that this was going to be a close matchup. It took overtime on Friday, uh, 2-1 victory, and then 3-1 on Saturday. So this was a pretty close matchup uh, from what you predicted. Yep, um, and uh, Nathan Smith took over. Um, you know, he got the game winner. Uh, both nights and uh, you know and especially Friday was so exciting to to finish uh, you know three on three in overtime and they had uh, Akito Hiroshi, uh Julian Pravnik and Nathan Smith out there and he uh, you know he he was lights out and, and won won the game on Friday night and he was uh, named uh, CCHA uh, forward of the week so you know just <laughs> another another honor for for Nathan Smith and uh, you know another two wins for for driving the case so um, they're rolling and, uh, you know, now, you know, it doesn't get any easier. Now they, uh, head up to, to Bemidji and get, uh, get two against the Beavers up there. So an another opponent that plays extremely tough and, uh, I'm sure both games will be, you know, one or two goal, uh, games again. And we talked about Bemidji in terms of the style of play. I mean, there are the, you know, the, that old school, you know, neutral zone trap team, uh, not necessarily the most high scoring team. Um, they play that, you know, two, two, one, four check or one, two, two, for those who know, uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm mixing my numbers up, Alex, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> but they are a tough team. They finish checks again. They make it very tough to play with speed. Uh, and you know, they kind of almost may uh, force you at times to kind of beat yourself. So how does Mankato overcome what well, the state will throw that on this upcoming weekend? Yeah, they um, have to take advantage of the speed that they have. Um, I think that's going to be a big advantage for the for the Mavericks against uh, the Beavers, and, and you know try to get on the power play um, and you know take advantage there. Um, you know the Mavs have a lethal power play, and like I said, um, you know when if you get that extra space out there for Nathan Smith, he'll he'll finish. Um, and so I think that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, you know, stay out of the box and you know you know take advantage on the power play for special teams because um, like. Like we mentioned, they'll be low scoring and, uh, you know, take advantage of that extra space when you can. Now, if Bemidji State were to shock the hockey world, how would they do it against Minnesota State? Uh, score early on Dryden McKay and then shut things down with their trap. Uh, you saw in the NCAA tournament what they did to Wisconsin. Um, you know, they got a lead early and they just held firm. They, they are one of the hardest teams to you know, uh, you know, if you let them score first to, to get, you know, get back into the game. And so, um, yeah, that would be the the one way for, for the Beavers is to, to score first and then just kind of shut things down, play old school wild hockey of, of the Jock Lemaire days and, uh, and frustrate the heck out of teams. Um, you saw Cole Caulfield, how frustrated he was against the Beavers um, in that NCAA tournament game. So, that's what Tom Saratori's team is going to try to do, um, you know, try to take advantage of being at home and, and having last change um, as well. Um, and so that yeah, should be a really fun weekend at the Sanford Center. 
And a, a kind of an important one, too, as we you know, are essentially at the midway point of the college hockey season. Again, uh, your team still one weekend to go. But uh, I guess real quick, if you were to assess, I think, honestly, from my book, of all the teams that we cover on this podcast, I think Minnesota State has been, at least has shown to me, despite the two jerseys behind me, I promise, guys, I'm not going to freak everybody out. But I think Minnesota State has been the most consistent team throughout the first half of this year. Yeah, and they've uh, they've dealt with illness here the past couple of weeks, and you know, got you know, veterans uh, stars out of the lineup, and uh, have still um, held firm. And uh, you know, they've uh, they had one heck of a beginning of a of a schedule, you know, playing the likes of St. Cloud and in Michigan and uh, Providence. Um, you know, that you know, just it didn't it let up uh, at the beginning there, and so I think it's really helped them here as as the schedule has has gone on and now they're playing some of the best teams in the league. Um, and you saw what Northern Michigan did to <laughs> Duluth. Um, and so now they have the pressure of being the number one team in the country again, which <laughs> has not gone well for anybody. Uh, so uh, we'll see if the, if the Mavs can, uh, you know, keep it going on the road um, against Bemidji. And, uh, you know, I think, I think they can do it. Like you said, they've, they've been extremely consistent and, uh, um, you know, Dryden, you know, um, you know, saved the day uh, on Saturday against uh, against Michigan Tech when they had a breakaway with 20 seconds left. And, uh, you know, and so, um, you know, on Friday, sorry. And uh, yeah, just, um, yeah, amazing, amazing goalie and uh, what a run he's on. So, um, yeah, I expect uh, two low scoring games and, uh, um, you know, I'm predicting another sweep for, for the Mavericks. And this team, you know, talk about another sweep because I would put them at what five straight wins essentially uh, going into the break in a very high note. Um, you know, despite the rankings, and we know the rankings are subjective, they change, and there's always that first team curse. But this team is really playing like a team that really could be a national championship contender. Yeah, I mean, things are really starting to to get you know gel together. Um, you know, they have you know, one of the top lines in college hockey going with uh, Julian Napravnik and, and Cade Borchard and, and Nathan Smith and, uh, you know, veteran, uh, you know, decor back there uh, with, uh, you know, guys like Andy Carroll, who's been been there a long time. And, uh, you know, Akita Hiroshi's probably one of the best defensemen in the CCHA. And so, yeah, they have depth throughout the lineup. And, uh, you know, with the system that might Hastings has it's it's uh you know primed uh you know for you know it has the makings of of a team that can make a deep run to Boston um again and you know this team is hungry uh, they got the the NCAA tournament win off their backs uh with you know with that comeback uh win against uh Quinnipiac and and just destroying the Gophers which uh we all love to see <laughs> and uh you know um you know they took that loss against St. Cloud really tough and uh you saw guys like Dryden and, and Nathan Smith want to come back and, and, and try to win a national championship. And so, um, you know, that's, you know, that's a huge chip on their shoulders to, to get back to that frozen four and, and try to hang a national title banner instead of just a frozen four banner. It's, it's no easy road. And, you know, unlike maybe in college football, there really isn't clear cut favorites this year. And I don't think there really ever is um, in the division one college. I can roll, but Alex, this team is good, but if there's one thing that could maybe derail the train, if there's is there are there any concerns with Minnesota State, or maybe is there one weakness to their to their game or to this team that maybe could prevent them from going on a deep run? You know, um, they when they played Michigan earlier this season, um, you know they had a lead going into the third period, and you know they took a dumb penalty, and you know Michigan you know capitalized on the power play with all their first round studs. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just going to have to stay out of the box. Uh, you know, you know, once you're in the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, those, all those teams have really good power plays. And so, um, you just, you got to limit, limit the opportunities, uh, on special teams for, for these opponents, uh, when it comes to tourney time, cause it's, it's one and done, you know, you don't have the luxury of having a Saturday night to come back and, and, you know, uh, salvage a weekend um it's it's one game and if you lose you go home so you know, staying out of the box being disciplined and when you get a lead you know make sure that you 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 stick to it and uh and don't give that up and uh you know 
they did it twice um twice this weekend um and uh yeah it's you know it's impressive um you know uh you don't um you don't want you don't want to give any momentum to a team uh by getting going into the box so uh, that's what they have to do to win so let's go to prediction time for this weekend again for Mankato. You predicted a sweep, but how about Friday night? How does it end up? And then Saturday night, what are we looking at the scoreboard? Yeah, uh, Friday, I will say two to one. Um, and then on Saturday, um, I think the offense flows a little bit better and we'll go uh, four nothing and Dryden gets a shutout. Another shutout for Dryden continues to uh, etch quite the historic run he's had. Uh, as a Maverick, and uh, it's tough to argue that, Alex. Also tough to argue, uh, you know, last time we had you on, you know, I, I made fun of you earlier, but you're looking pretty good right now, I'll tell you. you you've, got, you've got the nice flow going. Uh, there we go. The question is, you should have left, you know, the little, the, the flow down here toward the years. I think that's where you maybe goofed up. Exactly. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, definitely feel it with the cold weather now, but uh, yeah, it's uh, nice, nice to get that haircut. <laughs> It definitely uh, helps, especially falling asleep because it can get quite warm inside. Uh, Alex McAlegi, again, uh, a pleasure to have you on. And that will wrap up this week's episode of the MNCAA here on the Soda Pod. Follow us on Twitter on NNCAA, and we will see you back here next week.